This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. And this session is a very important and meaningful moment to close a cycle, but at the same time, to take a look and review all the beautiful things and accomplishments that we as a community, particularly in the South Holyoke area, we've experienced for the past years. And I want to welcome one more time, Nelson Roman. Thank you so much, Johan and Radio Plasma listeners for having me. So for many of you that already know, Nelson is leaving us. He is going away to continue his personal journey in a personal and professional way. He's uh, leaving to the city of Chicago to take care of community, of people. As you always said, it's all about putting people first. Mm. So before getting to that, let's take a look to what has been going on for this past years. There's a lot of great accomplishments to enjoy and to remember because those are important things for all of us in the community. And of course, I know huge accomplishments for yourself. So what do you think it will be some of the most significant for you? Yeah, for me, the most powerful and just impactful the work that we have done, because, you know, one of my favorite quotes is no man is an island, no man stands alone, uh, and that it hasn't just been me, it's been the community. I think back to from the organizing perspective when I first started out here in the LGBT community, the imperial court system, and the fact that it's over six years old now, over $90,000 given away, it's a 501c3 charity, we're going on our third Emperor and Empress. I'm just excited to see so many amazing group of LGBT people giving back or drag performers donating their services. Um, you know, everyone loves Janaya's De Rosario's drag bingo now. Um, and she's amazing and talented and a great friend of mine. Um, and yet I remember when we first started in my dance studio here in Holyoke, that's an accomplishment that started out of Holyoke, out of South Holyoke. I also think in the Latino community, everything we've done from Oscar Lopez to going to the New York Puerto Rican Day Parade to going to Chicago two years ago and being honored as the best Puerto Rican cities, I just think there's a oneness, right, with all of us, Latinos and non-Latinos in Western Mass, now looking towards Puerto Rico, everything we did for Hurricane Maria, uh, whether you were Betty at Enlace or us at Nueva, right, helping to collect, uh, I think back to that and like how powerful it was for all of us, no matter what race or creed or class, we came together for that. Um, and then of course, all the work and amazingness at Nueva Esperanza, to me, is always going to be in my heart. And then the city council, I, I look back on my journey and my race and people like you. And I, I remember sitting in this studio when I was first running against the amazing John Moquin and, you know, all my challengers who really pushed me in, in a good way, or G. Anthony this last time, amazing men. But really those races were, were awesome and how it was a, it was like United Rainbow Coalition. We had queer folks and people of color and young and young at heart and Latinos and whites and blacks. And it's just, those are the things that I look back on and say, that's amazing. And then to me, it's all the stuff with Cuyo and every youth 
that I've been able to work with, whether at Cuyo or Lighthouse and helping Josiah and Catherine get that open. And, you know, all this stuff with young people in this community has really been like a proud moment to me. And like today, I'm before I go, these next four or five days, I'm going to be at Palo Ferrari Social Justice Charter School leading a circle process training with them. And they're the school because I messed up, right? As an adult, it's okay to say you make mistakes. I created damage and harm in that school for thinking I was the leader from the outside saving them. They didn't need saving. They're amazing, young, brilliant minds. But they are the ones that introduced me to circle process. If I didn't go there, I would never have met Caridad. Caridad would never have introduced me to Saira Pinto or Palante program at the high school. So... I just look back and say young people have, or like the underlining equation. And, you know, I know you and I were just talking about this before the show, but it's all that work with these young people. Like last night, little Janice, you know, uh, love her. She wrote me a handwritten note and said, you can turn back if you want to and stay. But if you choose to go, know that I'm proud of you and that I love you. And for me, that's that's the powerful work of what we've done. And I'm also grateful to the shoulders I stand on. I'm thankful to Betty Carlos Vega, Maria Salgado, I'm thankful to Darlene and Mildred, Irene, and and everyone in this community who's done the work and who's going to still be here to continue the work. And so, yeah, that's like, it's a lot and a little bit of time. and, and, And we've done tangible stuff like fixing parks and painting lines and taking care of sidewalks and just everyday stuff. And you could physically see the changes in Ward 2 and in South Holyoke with murals and paintings and just... It's, it's really, we've come to life, and so I'm very proud of all that, and I'm excited to see where Holyoke goes now. I'm excited to see who comes next after me, both temporarily and next election. Um, yeah, those, it's a lot. I know there's a lot in a little bit, but yeah, those are things I think of off the top of my head. Speaking about the city council and your work as a Ward 2 city councilor, another huge achievement that I see, it was the way you got to organize, mobilize, and inspire folks in the different neighborhoods to get together and instate the neighborhood associations. Speaking about uh, Carmen and Jerry, and also for the neighborhood association in Springdale, where also actually brought up the opportunity to have a candidate for city council at large. So Mm -hmm. I feel that was another important, powerful way to inspire people to feel that they can be part of the change and get involved into the political machine in the city. Yeah, no, I think that the greatest to me, I think with any, you know, I love Luis Gutierrez, not just because he lives in Chicago, just because I've loved him even before I decided to move there. But I think one of the greatest, almost like pats on the back or compliments to any politician is when you see that others are inspired to take over your seat. And so the fact that there's already four who are possibly interested in filling an interim, and I think next election cycle, you're gonna see a lot of people running for Ward 2, but hopefully at large from this ward. But you're right, I have to give credit to Paul and Audra Bissett and all the amazing work they do in Springdale Ingleside. The Ostado Lopez was very still involved in there and Janet um, down there. Like the Springdale Ingleside community is a really tight knit community and they care. They care about their neighborhoods, they care about the parks and the businesses down there, you know, from Marcotte Ford to United Materials Management. Um, now all these cannabis industry that's moving in there, you have a very very symbiotic relationship community that has to work hand in hand. But even in Churchill, you know, Felicita mm. did a lot of work in Churchill. Now Wayfinders is doing great work with their community group and their, you know, all that stuff. But I think that that's a beautiful legacy that the people have left with me because I realized when I was knocking on doors or listening, 
everyone had a neighborhood specific issue or something that they in their neighborhood wanted to see done. And so I just literally said, okay, let's do this. Let's just get together once a month and listen in here. And I'm excited. I, you know, I hear, I know Ellen Talmire is thinking of doing one up in Ward 3. I know that there's now a Ward 1 neighborhood association kind of with Gladys and, and Israel Rivera and One Holyoke does amazing work. So I think that that's a hope that I get out of Holyoke is that there are multiple neighborhoods in the city with multiple different needs. And it's okay to say, hey, you know, if we're talking about citywide issues, that the Fruit Bowl is different than the Flats. And that South Holyoke is, even within my ward, totally different than Ingleside. Uh, and that's okay. And how do we address those issues? And we saw moments where they all worked together. Paul and Andre Bissette really deserve a lot of the credit for the summer movie series that we did. That was their idea that they said, hey, we want an inflatable movie screen and just tour it throughout the parks of the city to allow kids to have something to do over the summer. And so if it wasn't for these neighborhood-specific voices, we would have never had those things happen. And so I think that's a big credit to them. They deserve all that. And I love the fact that Paul ran at large. I hope Audra, and I voted for Audra still uh, to be on the CPA committee. And, you know, I think that that for me, and when I looked at government, the fact that we only have a 25% minority percentage on boards and commissions and where I respect Alex and Love, and we need more people to step up. And the fact that when I looked at all the wards where people were represented in our city, wards two and wards three were the lowest percentage of people on boards and commissions. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. People want to serve now on boards and commissions from from this neighborhood and these neighborhoods. And I think that's a good thing. I love the fact that the Park Commission now is a majority Latino. It's Izzy, Libby, and one other individual, which I love. And I think that that's going to be the shift. Now people are saying, hey, I don't have to run for office, but I could serve on a board and commission. I could do that work. And that's a big credit. And like I said, Carmen and Jerry have truly become like family, and I'm going to miss them dearly. And the work that they continue to do, I know Carmen this week was at Nueva, getting ready for the Three Kings Day and the community toy drive that they're still collecting toys for. And so she's really dedicated to the community in the neighborhood. And even the schools, like Holyoke Public Schools, I think in a way with this receivership, a lot of people were very not happy with it. But in a way, with this receivership, it's the first time me as a community member being here almost 10 years has felt welcomed. Like Morgan School, Allison Lynch, I know she's in a bigger role, and Katie down at STEM now, and even Dean, they made us, the community, feel like we could come in and say, hey, we want to volunteer. Hey, we were here to help. And so I think because of those neighborhood groups, the neighborhood schools now know they have the community to come to. And I think about when Morgan had the shooting or someone come in, we did two community conversations with the neighborhood and the school and the teachers and the students. And yeah, I think those are powerful moments that I'm always gonna like remember and think and say, and even when I go to Chicago now, it's very neighborhood sector, <laughs> you know, West, you know, I'm in Humble Park and then there's this place and that place. But then you can start seeing the universal needs of all people, right? Everyone wants to feel safe. Everyone wants their kids to go to great schools. Everyone wants a good job. And that's universal along all neighborhoods. And it's just how you get there is the difference. And I think that's what allowed me to really work on the council with people that other people are like, I don't know how you work with that person. (laughs) Or I don't know how you can talk to that person with these ideologies. And my thing is, listen, at the core, we all love the city. We all love Holyoke. And how do we change that? And it was powerful for me, like ban the box, Oscar Lopez Rivera, the legislation we passed sometimes, we had people from the neighborhood show up to speak about things. And that, that to me was powerful. Funny fact, when you when you mentioned that people ask and wonder, how do you get along or how can you work with this or that person? And like I told you in Farewell at Capri Pizza, I feel that is one of your 
superpowers, being able to see the good in everybody and to see beyond the differences, find that common ground, to find that common goal and common interest, which is in this case the city. And that was and is still such a valuable lesson for all of us. For me in personal, one of many things that I'm so thankful that I got the chance to learn from you. Thank you, listen, I'm honored and humbled and I think with, with, with me personally, and I know there's going to be people listening to this who still don't agree or believe in, in, in what we've done. And I want to, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to man up and there, you can only take ownership for yourself. And that's the beautiful thing that I've learned through circle process is that there's three invitations that I'm trying to live by. And so that's why I don't take ownership and I'm, I'm really humbled by your words and saying it's a superpower. I love you for that. But I just think of the indigenous people and this process that I've learned is one is our first invitation is to feel the warm embrace of community. And because I was homeless and had nothing and people helped me out of that, I'm grateful. The second is to see the beauty in everything. And so I do like, it's just what I do. And you could really be nasty and rude and, and disgusting or whatever. And I still see you as a beautiful human being. And the last part, which is the part that still as a human being and with an ego and a mind I struggle with is to really come together and know that a community will come together and heal even when it's broken. And I know I've done harm to people in this world. And I know that some people feel that maybe I've done harm to them. And all I can do is be honest of myself and say, listen, to anyone listening who I have harmed or created harm, I apologize. That was not my intention in this world. And I will always forgive those who have done anything to me to move past it. And there are those even in the political spectrum, the professional spectrum, who people are like, you should hate that individual. And I'm like, no, because at the end of the day, we're all humans. And if we don't come together to heal, and I feel that that sometimes, because people are always like, what's going to happen to the movement in Holyoke and blah, blah, blah. The only parting wisdom would just be that we have to come together and heal as a community. And whoever is listening, whatever I've done, I sincerely apologize. And I just hope that you can heal enough to know that even though I'm moving away, I will be coming back here. I will be flying back. I will be helping out whenever, like if you call anyone who calls who needs me, I will be present because that's my duty to not forget where I came from. But it is a beautiful thing for me because I know what it's like to be ostracized and pushed out. And I know what it's like, listen, being totally transparent and frank, <laughs> When I first started in this world and political world and organizing, I got gaslit. People called me everything under the sun. Nobody really talked to me. Nobody really was there for me. And it was crazy because the people now that I look to are called friends, right? And, and I use a prime example of that. Like, and I said at the council meeting, Kevin Jordan and Elaine Pluta, they stuck their neck out for me. You know, and everyone always questions my friendship with Kevin Jordan. I love that guy. He really is like a friend. We don't really talk policy or politics, but on a local level, we agree that we love the city. How do we make it work? And we don't always and didn't always vote together the same way, but we left with a friendship. You know, we would meet up, we would talk. And when I needed him most, especially helping my mom and through other things in my life, he was one of the few people that were there said, Hey, how can I help? How can I be there for you? You know? And so I know what it feels like to be pushed out and not loved or not seen as something of value. So I don't have any right to do that to other people. So that's it. And it's all about that circle process. 
And again, I'm not perfect. I don't pretend to be. And I try. And that even goes with my relationship. I think the biggest struggle for me these last couple of years in putting myself so out there and, you know, because you're always busy and out and about is your partner or your relationship at home. They're always the one that gets the least amount of time with you. And yet they love you the most and they're there for you the most. And so I'm grateful to Manny for everything uh, that he has done for me all these years. And my mom and my personal family who literally are my strength. And so it's a lot. It is. It's hard. I'm not going to say it's not easy because you do struggle sometimes with saying, hey, you hurt me. And, and, And to tell you that you hurt me and then move on from that place is difficult. But I'm willing. And I tell everyone anytime if I've wronged you, whether it's my, you know, I tell my former employees, I tell my partner, I tell anyone, you can slam a room door shut with me, cuss me out. And I will take it. Just don't do it in front of a crowd because I'm still a human. I got ego. But I think that that's that's a beautiful thing about Holyoke. And, you know, and I share and I'm thankful actually to this mayor. Like me and the mayor didn't talk for a couple of years. You know, we were friends. We weren't. And then we're back again. I'm really respectful and thankful to Alex. And I see all the work he's doing. I respect the work that he's doing. Uh, I don't always agree on how they're getting there. But. At the end of the day, he loves the city and his administration has really changed the city for better. And I respect that. And I can see that's one of the many examples I have in this city of, look, we didn't agree. We didn't talk. And now we've healed. And I really respect him. And you know, I hope he does move up and on in the world and up to bigger offices and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to the future because I'm really excited, like you said, for these young people. I want to see who's going to run for office next. The fact that Jay Anthony was only 18 and ran against me last time, that was powerful to me. I was like, holy crap. And he was amazing and brilliant and really intelligent. And John Moquin, a great dad, a great coach, a great community person. And my two predecessors, Anthony Soto. I remember calling him when I was deciding to run. This was even before he announced he was running for mayor. And a lot of people were mad, like, oh, my God, you're going to do this to Anthony. And Anthony knew that I was going to pull papers because he hadn't announced yet. But him, his wife, they're amazing people. And a lot of people don't know this. Diostado was actually one of the first people who encouraged me to run. And so I respect him wholly as well. And so everyone has their role to play. And even this podcast, I still remember Aaron Vega was your first interviewee. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing that podcast and saying, this is transformative. And I told you it was my aha Oprah Winfrey moment. I didn't know everything that you had shared about Aaron Vega. Like, I really didn't know who he was. So I'm starting to learn now that I'm in my 30s, not that I'm super mature or adultish. But I think in my 30s, I'm trying to explore who I am. And I'm really trying to find out who people are at their core, not their resume, not what they do, not their political beliefs, but who are you as a human being? And I think that that's going to be transformative. And I'm going to use that in my work now in Chicago. I can't wait. Let's talk about Manny for a moment. (laughs) I really want to also recognize all the strength, all the support all the, all the love that Manny represents, not only for you, but for your work mm-hmm. and also for the city. The work Manny has been doing with kids, with youth, with every single project that he is involved and has been involved with is another strength and another powerful influence and inspiration in our community. Yeah, I tell, you know, I tell him this, he gets mad and he'll probably kill me for saying this to you, but I don't care in the listeners. I always tell him that he is truly the brains of the movement because he is so intellectual and so smart. And a lot of the policies and a lot of the things really stem from our home conversations where he challenges me on stuff and he pushes me and he deals with everything. All the brunt of my, I'm pissed, I'm tired. This person did this to me. I can't believe that. And so a lot of people are like, you're so Zen, but my poor partner gets to hear the 
the the inner thoughts, like my demons and all that stuff. And you're right. He started off as a math teacher in Morgan. Then he moved up to be, you know, the assistant director for extended learning for the district. Right now he's at Hampshire College. Um, and he just loves young people and he loves teaching and he really wants to write education policy. Like, and, you know, even this transition, he's still going to be staying here at Hampshire until he's able to secure a job. So he just does amazing work. And he's brilliant in his own mind. And a lot of people don't see it because I'm the public face. But he has really done a lot to transform this work with that we do with young people. And he challenges people in, in a very respectful way. Like, hey, you can't do that. Or no, kids learn in their own way. And so I'm very grateful to him. And I think the cities should be grateful to him, too. Because even in these last couple of years, he has done so much. And we joke all the time, right? Because he's like, listen, I'm the Michelle to your Barack and whatever. But he truly is because he has his own lane. He has his own power and strength. And what I love the most is even when I like even at the Capri Pizza thing, he just gets to sit in his power and people talk to him. They talk about what he's passionate about and he loves And we, he also is my escape. We're able to go to movies and I get to be human. He gets to remind me, no, shut off the phone. You can't answer that right now. No, let's go away. Um, You know, tonight we're going to go see the new Spider-Man movie. I can't wait. (laughs) But those moments are really needed for anyone. And if, if, I don't know if I could have done all this if it had not been for him. And then I also think of our extended family, like his mother, Marilyn, my mom, Yvonne, like, you know, his brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, Ray, like the extended family also gives that love and they give that commitment and they give so much. And I I don't know if I could have done any of this, like, and, and truly, and every time someone uses the slogan, putting people first, I always go back to the beginning and thank my good friend, Amar Rivera. He's from Springfield. He was a city councilor, like one of the first few openly gay of color city councilors. They had other gay city councilors. Um, but that was actually his campaign slogan. And when I ran, I asked him permission to use it because for me, that was the most powerful thing I ever saw a politician say in this world. I'm putting people first. And it's like, boom, right there. And so I asked him, I said, Amar, I'm running and I want to do this and I want you to support me. And he said, girl, because that's how we talk to each other. Girl, go ahead, honey. Like, I'm proud and honored that you would use that slogan. And I do and I carry it and every time I can, like him and I just talked to him and his husband because he just got married in, in Scotland or Ireland, one of the two. They just got married. He got married to a doctor. I'm very proud of him. He's one of the most brilliant minds. And so Ahmad's like a brother to me, Adam Gomez, Manny, like all these people who love and it all goes back to love. Like they love me and I love them like family. They have given to this city indirectly by helping with policy or advocacy or whatever we have. So it's been a beautiful thing, and I'm grateful to all of them for that. Some of the outcomes of your work also have to do a lot with being yourself, being always you. And yes, when you are representing Ward 2 as city councilor, I know there are specific ways to conduct business. And even that, always let us see you for you, which is another of the aspects that I always felt is so powerful and inspiring because that showed to our community, to many of the people that is represented through you on city council, that you are a reflection of many. Mm of the real situation, experiences, stories, ways of life, ways of thinking of our community. And that is another inspiration, as you mentioned when you referred to Jay Anthony as a young, strong leader, an excellent human being. 
feeling that need to challenge you and to step up to the game, mm-hmm. knowing that he has something to contribute for the city. And hopefully we get to see more of him in the future as well. Along with many more, many more that maybe through collaboration, through participation in programs, activities, events, meetings, parties, but also the ones who just got the opportunity of seeing you doing everything that you did and feeling, I can do it as well. I can be like Nelson. (laughs) That's awesome. I just think for me... And again, even living in my truth, because there's only one truth to use, especially when you get in the political arena and realm. And because I, I, a lot of people don't know this, I started in politics at a very young age in Waterbury. Um, my middle school teacher, Miss Wagner, I always share this story with people. I was like, our seventh grade class was really bad. <laughs> Westside Middle School, Waterbury, Connecticut. We were so bad, we were, in, we were on lockdown, which was like prison. So we stood in a class all day. The teachers rotated. They brought up lunch to us. It was really bad. Um, and I remember I, was, oh, I wasn't the brightest kid in school, like as far as book smarts, but I've always loved reading and I grasped concepts. And I, you know, I was always great in English and history. Math and science, yeah, I struggled. But in history, I remember in seventh grade, I had Miss Wagner, I was struggling. And she said, Nelson, I'm going to fail you. And now, listen, I come from a Latino home. You can't come home with an F. Like, a C is okay, and that's not even great, but you cannot come home with an F. And I remember, Miss, don't give me an F. What do I have to do? And she actually set me up with an interview because her husband was a Democratic consultant in Connecticut. So she set me up on an interview with then-Congressman Jim Maloney from the 5th Congressional District. And I remember it was a it was a snowstorm. This congressman met with me and my dad took me. And I interviewed him for two hours. I had my little tape recorder and I got the bug like for public service. And I was only 13, 14. And I remember that summer he was running again for re-election. I joined my first political campaign. And so politics has always been because of my grandmother. She was very politically active in my blood. And so when I came out here and I said, listen, I have to run. I know politics is a dirty game. It is one of the most dirtiest games ever. And I don't care if you're local politics, national politics. I said, I don't want anyone to use what others perceive as skeletons against me. Right. Things that people usually hide or don't want to say. I can't do that. That's not who I am. I have to use that as my truth and as my positive, like you said, because then I am what others have said. Ah, that guy's not like me. He's a you know BSer. He's not real. He doesn't get the struggle. Listen, I'm a renter <laughs> still to this day. When I moved to Chicago, I'm still renting. Um, I know what it's like to to eat cornflakes and Kool-Aid, right? Or cornflakes and you put tea in it like my grandma taught me, right? And so those struggles are real. I know that I'm one of the first openly, not to say that there's been other HIV positive counselors, but we don't know that because no one's openly disclosed and said, listen, I'm living with this disease and, and you can be open about that. And I... I'm very proud of the fact that we've brought that to attention, that Holyoke's the third highest city in the state with people living and contracting HIV, and that I'm only one of six, up until I leave, one of six openly HIV positive elected officials in the country. So there's people living with it, but they're not open. And so when we talk about funding and all that stuff, you have to live in your truth. Or when we're talking about the whole panhandling issue, I think back to that fight we had and people saying, don't feed the animals. Like To you, it just may, may be a political expression, but to me, you're saying that I was an animal and that, yeah, I used to have to ask sometimes for food or money. It doesn't make me an animal. It makes me a human in need. And what are we doing to get to the core of those issues? And so I just wanted to live in my truth. Um, It was refreshing. And you're right. I'm able to now come and speak and talk. And what I love about it is when I talk to young people, they get it. 
like, oh, damn, like, I could do that? Like, I could be that? And for me, I hope, and, and you know, I heard Pete Tallman's words yesterday and others saying, like, hey, you really do speak your truth, and you just throw it out there, and you don't care. Or like, the fact that on the council, before the cannabis industry came in, I would say I'm pro-cannabis, and I smoke cannabis. Like, I don't have any qualms about that. Or even right now, I challenge the industry in a respectful way to say, listen, yes, in Massachusetts, we've made $7 million since cannabis stores have opened. But let's be real. Who's at the top of those corporations and companies? They're white men. It's not the local men of color who have been incarcerated for that. And so out of that $7 million, what are we doing to reinvest to those men and women of color who were locked up for cannabis possession or sales or whatever? So, Or even the fact that Holyoke now we're debating the footage that a cannabis store can open within 500 feet of a school. Okay, there's guys who got locked up for that, right? Because you were in an, an enhanced zone. And so it's it's perplexing and mind-boggling. So when I push back respectfully, it's because I was from the hood. I know what it's like to lose your friend for getting locked up for that. And so I just wanted to live in my truth. I think it's the best way to go. And for me, I felt like a burden was lifted. If I just share what's true, and I really have to credit and thank my mom. She always told us as a kid, if you get in trouble or you get caught or you get anything, just say the truth. You have nothing to lose. And those who don't like it, don't like it. But at least you're living in your truth and I'll respect you for it. And so that's how I roll with that. And I think that because I was homeless, because I'm gay, because I'm HIV positive and Boricua, I, I, I say that all the time first. I'm Puerto Rican first. I'm HIV positive. I'm gay. And listen, I, I love being who I am. I love struggling. I love figuring that out. And I want to move up the economic ladder. I'm not saying I don't. I have worked on my credit this year. I have done these last couple of years. And even for me, that's why I, it feels like a graduation. For the first time in my life, I got approved for an apartment with my own credit. And so that was just like a huge moment for me. Or I'm almost done paying off my car. For me to say that, like I'm this close, those are huge milestone projects. And me and Manny do want to get a house and we want to have kids and we want to go to that next level. And, and it just takes those times. And all I'm hoping is by people sharing their stories and their truths, you can see that, yeah, you can overcome that. And other times, listen, let's be frank. Some people don't get out of that. It's going to take longer. It's going to take help and support. But if you don't speak about that, and even you know today and in these last, even in the summer with the Cuyo kids, hearing brilliant young people just open up about what they're feeling or what they've experienced is like life-changing to me. And so if I can share a little bit and to help young people, because like I said, the biggest uh, number or area of people contracting HIV in Holyoke are 16 through 24 men having sex with men. So we have to talk about that and have healthy conversations about protection and all that stuff so that we were not increasing that. Like we can get down to zero infections. Medicine has come a long way. And so I hope that just me by even saying, hey, I'm HIV positive. It's to say, hey, this is a stigma. It's happening. And we have to start having conversations around it. So I love it. I'm excited about it. And yeah, yeah, I think that if everyone lives in their truth, because I think a lot of people don't want to talk about that. No, I don't want to share that. I don't. You must forget where you came from. And I'll never forget staying off of 391 in a tent or couch hopping or literally bouncing from person's house to person's house and staying there a day and saying, no, I just need a place to crash tonight. You know, those things have all made me who I am. And by being able to achieve those personal accomplishments that are so important and so meaningful, because unfortunately for many of us who had to struggle and had to make our way up in life to basically justify our existence, our very presence in this place through something like your credit score, through something like your capability of speaking up your truth so people can actually listen 
And then after that, maybe understand a little bit where you're coming from. Those are things that are so important, so deeply important for all the people who know what it is to be there in those situations, in those places. And that's also how you earned the respect of everybody. I respect so much how much you are you and you are unapologetic about it, but at the same time, so kind and open to help and support whoever needs it. It's such a beautiful learning experience getting to see all this process, all this evolution, all this change that happened during your time as city councilor and also as an activist, mm -hmm. as, as someone who brings so much energy and joy to the community, to those different circles <laughs> of friends and youth and people that actually not necessarily getting to know you that much to get to know you better. Yeah, it's, I love, and again, my mom tells me everyone's not your friend, Nelson, since I'm little, but I really do love people. And I think that a lot of what we're talking about, us fighting for just defending who we are or what culture we're born into or what color we have on our skin, if we just started to connect as human beings, right? And one of the coolest experiences I went through when I was out here was the Healing Racism Institute, and I'm an alumni of that. Um, but even in other places, I've heard there's only four DNA strands, like four, there's only four blood types mm -hmm. in this world. You know, the AB negative, OB, whatever, whatever, all that stuff. There's only four. So if you think about it, we've only, we're descendants of four tribes. That's it. There's only four blood types. So there were only four different tribes. And yet we compartmentalize people in so many different ways. I really just truly value and I'm thankful to you. To Like I'm thinking in my head of like Marisol and Madi when I first moved out here in Springfield in Indian Orchard, they let me stay at their house. Or my friend Jonathan Masonette, who I call Changa. <laughs> I just, people have given so much to me abundantly that I have to love because if they didn't show me any love, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, you know? And I'm grateful to this city, to you, to all these friends and people like, I think of Nev or Elizabeth or all these amazing people who just give, they'll show up and just, Donna Murata has literally, and she's so cute yesterday calling us the odd couple, but she has truly been an amazing asset to me. And I'm carrying that love with me to this new community because even in Chicago when I'm there, I talk about Holyoke all the time. I'm talking about you guys and your stuff and everything we have going on. And I'm excited to fall in love with more people. And and I still have my friends from my hometown of Waterbury. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I just see us more interconnecting, more loving and, and truly looking at in, in Holyoke to say, okay, how do we connect more as human beings? And that's why I love the circle process. What is your stories? Because I want to hear them. And that's why I truly, and this isn't a shameless plug to keep listening to Radio Plasma, but continue to listen. Because the stories you share, every time you have a jazz performer, or even a singer from a different culture, like I love that stuff because I'm learning and listening to something new, to really get to know people, to really get to hear the stories of what a person even has just been through in their life. That's crazy to me. And you know, I remember... I love the sound curation thing that you started at the beginning and I remember submitting my playlist. And I think of my life in terms of music and theater because it's always defined me. And I just saw Leslie Odom Jr., who was the original Aaron Burr in Hamilton. He just did a concert in Hartford and I went. It was my self-care day. But he wrote a book called Failing Up. And in that book, it's basically 
how life continues to throw you stuff to make you fail. But you have to use those moments to learn and then to grow and then to move up and to evolve. And so if I never came to Holyoke, if I never failed, right, if I, in the sense of being homeless or contracting HIV, would I be the man that I am today? Would I be the person that I'm at today? You know, just everything. Like, that's why I love so so abundantly. And I'm so eternally grateful to people like you and to everyone who has helped me out in this process and world. Um, and I know someone's going to call me like, oh, you left me out. You didn't thank me. But I truly am grateful to everyone for this help and opportunity. And even those friends who like, listen, we don't see each other for years and we reconnect and you're right there. Um, but to people who are there every day, Efrain and Jasenia, like they were the first two parents to trust me with their kids for the summer program for Cuyo. And I just talked to them about a parking lot and stop and shop. And they're like, sure, we'll send you our kids. Um, and so Janacy and Jen and all of them come from these amazing parents who have now become a huge part of my life. And I even think of like, you know, Luis Torres, who was my treasurer and Jeanette, who was my first treasurer and just everyone who has given so much of themselves. I was shocked and I shared this last night. I really went to Capri Pizza and you know, I share the story how Gino gave me one slice of pizza a day when I was homeless just to feed me. But I told them last night, I said, Gino, we're just going to do one party size pizza because I doubt people are going to come. It's a Wednesday night. You know, it's five to eight. I might get 30, 40 people. But throughout the night, because they were counting, of course, Carmen and Don and them, we saw over 150 people from five to eight o'clock, like in and out in waves. And I was like, and there was people I, I wouldn't expect to see, like Kevin Elliott showed up. And Donnie Welch, who was the former Ward 1 city councilor, came and he works for the Red Cross. Now he volunteers there. He said, Nelson, I'm here to thank you on behalf of the Red Cross, but I want to thank you, Percy, because he's also on the Handicap Commission. Thank you for all that you've done, not just for your ward, but for the city. And I was, I was super emotional last night. Like I cried about everything. And the fact that like Josie and Dave Bartley and you know Pete Tallman and... And you saw my nephews, like my nephews were the kids. My first job after being homeless was working at the homeless shelter on Main Street, at the Main Street shelter that's run by VOC. And so seeing those kids that literally I saw them when they were born, I held them when they were born. They still call me Theo Nansong. Like that is why I have to keep loving because you saw them, right? <laughs> Little Jaden ran up to me and hugged me after when I was crying. Like he couldn't, he, he, and he loves Pokemon Go. So I already know I have to come back for Christmas and get him his Pokemon Go gifts. But Marianne truly has become my sister. Her partner, Jerry, has truly become my brother-in-law. And so if it's not love, then what do we have, you know? And I could choose to dwell and be mad and angry with people. I still love them. I love everyone who's in my life and who've left my life. Um, I think it just makes you stronger, and I love it. So we are starting 2019 with Nelson Roman being in Chicago. And I know you are still in the process of wrapping up everything here in Holyoke and taking a moment to reflect on that and getting ready for this new stage in your life. But just to have a little bit of an idea of what Chicago is going to have as a great <laughs> powerhouse, what is going to be the work you're going to be doing? Yeah, I'm so excited to be the director of homeless projects and programs for the Puerto Rican Cultural Center of Chicago. And the Puerto Rican Cultural Center of Chicago 
basically is a large social service agencies. They're very similar to like a Gandara meets a Wayfinders. Mm-hmm. They're in the Humble Park neighborhood. Uh, they're really fighting back against gentrification, which is really going on in Chicago. Um, but specifically in their housing and homeless division, they do own apartments and buildings, but they have a program called De Rescate. It is an LGBT homeless shelter for youth, right? And there's different floors by age. So they go as young as eight and they go all the way up to 24. And so my work will be not only the director of that program, but to see how could we could expand and create that programming elsewhere to help LGBT queer youth get stabilized, get homes, uh, get jobs that are sustainable, right? And especially that 16 through 24 year old. A lot of times, and you know, Betty does a great job with House of Colors here. It's how you get those youth to be stabilized and to continue to be stabilized and continue to grow and give back and really be culturally aware of who you are. So I'm excited because I get to bring like a little bit of the Cuyo vibe and bring some of that culture and knowledge and really work with these amazing, not for, but work with these amazing young people. There's an amazing staff over there. You know, Jose Lopez is the executive director of PRCC overall. That's Oscar Lopez's brother. Juan Calderon is their COO. Amazing man. And he's a young uh, Mexican, uh, you know, body mix. Um, so I'm excited to work under him. I'd be one of their management team members. And, you know, I can't wait to get out there and really just start doing that work. And so they're expanding. They're also doing holistic full wraparound around each of these young people. I hope to hopefully teach them some podcasting and some other skills and really connect them in that genuine way and, and then expand the program. Like, how do we get this to be the model nationwide? So hopefully in the future, there'll be a rescate Holyoke, there'll be a rescate everywhere. So it really becomes national work. It really becomes how do we create this because there's very few LGBT youth shelters throughout this entire country. Um, And I only know because I used to work for an agency, I won't say which, that used to run like a temporary shelter for young teens. And if you identified as LGBT, they would put you aside in your own room Mm. because you would then be seen as a potential, you know, person who might inflict or target another youth because you identified as LGBT. Instead of saying, hey, they're just LGBT and they're a teen and who is homeless, like, no, they would have to be by themselves. And so those are the models that we're looking to dismantle, break down. And listen, it's still the Puerto Rican Cultural Center of Chicago. They're the leaders as far as going back to Puerto Rico. They've adopted the town of Loisa to really help rebuild and protect and defend. They're still, they have the Puerto Rican agenda, the national one there. And so I'll still be doing Puerto Rican stuff and doing what I love and getting involved. And so it's just a much bigger scale. I think all of Humble Park has over 50,000 people living in it. So it's like basically the city of Holyoke yes, in one neighborhood. Um, so I'm excited for what's next out there. Um, I have a great brother-in-law, uh, Nerson Rodriguez, who's out there. So I have some like chosen family out there with Juan and Nerson and Roberto Sanabria. It's crazy because uh, Chicago's become like a second home this last year and a half, two years. And so that's where I'm always escaping to. And so they are so excited. And when I get out there, besides my work though, I am gonna take a lot more time for myself. So uh, I'm not running for office. <laughs> not, you know, I might volunteer on a campaign here or there, but I'm excited to explore the culture and the rich, beautiful Mexican culture that's out there in the 26th Ward and really just involve myself and really just envelop myself in me. Uh, I am working with a publisher. I plan on writing a book about my life stories and circles and stuff like that. I'm going to start journaling and take a year just to reflect and then try to get my book published. And that's what I'm going to do. By leaving Holyoke, the way I share it with friends, common friends and people around is that you are leaving a huge void. It feels like. But at the same time, this is 
another learning experience because you came, you did as much as you could for, for yourself and for all of us, and you taught us how to keep doing it. You always did. For some people, it might be surprising that, oh, but you're leaving. How, how can you do that? But you always said it, that eventually that this was going to happen. And we have to be ready to take over and continue mm -hmm. that work because I, nothing can be anymore the way it was. I agree. And I think that that's critically important because I've heard, right, you hear Holyoke's a little rumor mill. You love that. Like, oh, he's leaving the work. He's abandoning the work. Like, oh, he really didn't care then. He really wasn't invested. And to that, I say exactly what you said. I have from the beginning. And including, and I think the greatest example of that was when you look at the Imperial Court. Like, I wasn't going to lead that organization my whole life. Tito uh, Ramon Albizu is a great board president. He's running that organization beautifully. Uh, we have the Empress Dame La Cuca. You know, I don't know if you're going to have to bleep that out later. But she's doing an amazing job. And there was that planning. Like, I've always said it. And I said, heaven forbid, knock on wood, if I die tomorrow or I leave, you guys have to keep going with this work. And so I feel in Holyoke, right, it's a good thing that it, I feel like I'm graduating. Like, hey, we're moving on to bigger opportunities. And I think, why can't we spread that positive message? Not every youth is going to stay in Holyoke. Not everyone's going to stay here. But if you're going to leave and move on, make sure it's to bigger and greener and brighter pastures and that you're never forgetting where you come from. And that's what I'm saying. You can always call on me. Whoever needs me, call on me. I will show up. I will be present when I have to. But now I need to continue the work nationwide. Like I need to do this on a larger platform and scale to continue to draw those attentions to those issues that I'm passionate about, that I love, right? And I think that a big problem in Holyoke's history is that we have idolized or like I said, mythologized, that's not even a word, but we have these mythological leaders and figures who have become the embodiment of a movement. Mm -hmm. And when they die or move on, the movement dies. I don't feel that I've done that. I don't feel that I'm leaving that. There's Carmen, there's Jerry, there's you. You know, there's Paul, there's Audra, there's John Mo. There's all these people in the ward or in the community. Like, I think back when I first started, I remember, you know, like Ann Talmire's one. She's doing great work around gun violence and truly, like, bringing that to the forefront or just being an advocate for the people in her ward or... Dang, I'm trying to think. There's so many amazing, I know I'm going to get killed, but like Izzy, Izzy, Izzy's doing amazing work. Izzy Rivera and all the amazing stuff that he's doing down there and Priscilla and Gabi, like there's all these pockets of people now that are collectively doing the work. So it's not, it's, and, and I don't think it's fair to say, hey, you had a lot of weight on your shoulder. Like everything, if you leave, it's all going to stop. I don't think so. I think we're going to do great things. I think Nueva's going to move on. It's going to live on. It's going to be great again. Uh, yes, we've helped move that needle, but it's going to continue. And I don't think it's going to stop here. And I'm glad in a way because maybe I did hold some of it back because it was all on me. It wasn't on the we. And I think that by me progressing and moving up, it's not going to open that realm of possibility and, and to hold the example and the standards higher. That's why I ran because I said, listen, And this with all due respect to my predecessors. They didn't spend money on yard signs and stuff like that. They didn't spend money on literature. They didn't do direct mailers. They didn't really take all, people still make fun of me. My first race, I raised almost $15,000, $20,000. And I spent all of that on a ward race that only a thousand people come out to. And again, 
if there's anything where I had to critique my legacy or I didn't move the needle on voter turnout. I wish I did. It actually went down when I ran the second time. And those are things that I think that now we can hold our elected officials to higher standards to say, you got to do office hours. You got to go to the neighborhood associations. We even ran debates when there was no debates. You know, like I love the last word one. I did a lot of the help in the background, but I couldn't say that I'm leaving now. So I don't care. Um, but I remember working with you on that because right. All the pressure was on the chamber of commerce. And I respectfully critiqued them for like kicking out the ward councils and saying, oh, there's no debate for them. But if we didn't step up as a community, there would be no debate. Or the fact that mayoral primary, one of my greatest examples of leaders and legacy leaders, and especially women mm-hmm. leaders, Irene Feliciano. Like she hosted the debate for the mayoral mm-hmm. primary. She's now the president of Nueva and running the day-to-day operations there. Mildred Lefebvre, school committee woman. She's the she's now the head of the state MASC diversity board. Mm-hmm. We have amazing, powerful leaders. Or listen, Juan Gabriel Sanchez Sanchez, first Puerto Rican Latino to run for secretary of state on, mm-hmm. a, on a major party. Go ahead. Got one of the highest voter turnouts. He ran against Gladys, gave her a good challenge. And, and I quote him all the time. He's always said it. I don't think anyone should run unchallenged. That's by Juan. That was Juan's <laughs> standard for Holyoke. And I agree with that. Let people run. Let them challenge. But also when it's time, and I think that's that's also a problem in Holyoke, with all due respect to my colleagues, sometimes they overstay their time. Sometimes they're there 20, 30, 40 years. And it's great to have institutional knowledge. But I was in favor of term limits. I put that forward. I don't think anyone should stay in one place for too long. Because if, if you don't move up and on, you're not allowing those who are coming up behind you to take a, a seat at the table and lead. If you're there 20, 30, and I, and I applaud the mayor. He's going on his 10 year now, coming up at the end of this term. He has to make that decision. Does he do four more or is it time for a change in leadership? I don't know. Holyoke's going to have to decide that. But if he does, I hope he does choose to move up and on, you know, like mm-hmm. upwards. And and that's a healthy conversation. And I think I'm not abandoning the movement. I think I'm leaving it in good hands. And what I'm saying still to those who are leading the movement, like yourself, Carmen, Jerry, Net, everyone who's doing the work, I'm still here as a resource. I'm here to help. And now you have a connection to another community who's willing to show up for you. So if it's a major protest, major issue, major whatever, let's work together. Let's do this. You call me in Chicago and say, hey, Nelson, I need this. And I'll, and I'll, I'll be there for you in a drop of a dime. I'll still be listening to Radio Plasma for my news and my latest what's going on. And yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next when I'm gone or who steps up. And I'm already seeing people step up. Like I said, you're already the fact that there's four people who want my seat, just even on the one year term. That's huge. That's saying, listen, there is a need for it and there's a want to step up and do the work. And I love that. So we had your official statement uh, to the council and we had a beautiful gathering at Capri Pizza. Today we are having this, for now, last one-on-one conversation in this medium, knowing that there will be more to come possibly in a different format, mm-hmm. but yeah, the communication that the connection is always there. What will be your message for our audience? Not <coughs> only in Holyoke now, I feel we have expanded to other communities in, in, other, in other cities and towns like East Hampton or Hampton, even in Amherst. Yeah, um, I always go back to the shoulders of the greats that I stand on. And the quote that I always, and I would just leave you all with, is from Dr. Pedro Bisu Campos. I've been saying this since I first started, is the duty of our youth is to defend the homeland with the weapons of knowledge. And and then I always take that quote a step further, not that I'm adding. I am taking a little bit of artistic liberty, saying that the 
elders in the community have the rights to give them those tools. So our young people need to know who they are, where they come from, what they're about, and then let them defend whatever their homeland is. And for me, it's always Puerto Rico. And of course, I always say Puerto Rico needs to be free and independent. But I'm thankful to those elders who came before me. And, you know, there was those that I didn't get to mention that I'm going to mention now, like Jose Bo and Natalia Munoz and Manuel Flau Ramos and, you know, even Dave and Jackie Jose and like, all these amazing elders who have imparted wisdom in me that I'm going to carry for the rest of my life. Like I've shared with people, if Jose Bo didn't kick me out of his restaurant, I never knew who Oscar Lopez was. If I didn't read El Sol Latino, I never knew, would have known that Manuel Frau and Diostado like manage, edit and put that paper together. And Natalia Munoz and <laughs> Ana Sanchez from Stick in Springfield, we were all on the board of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center in Springfield. But when our, even within our own community, we have problems and that we tell young people and young Latinos, step up, run for office. But then the minute they think you're a politician, they push you away like, oh, you're corrupt, right? Because it's a Latino thing. Natalia Munoz and Ana Sanchez stuck up for me when that situation happened here in Holyoke. And I still have this piece of paper at home where the next week, like it went by, I was crying, I was devastated. I remember calling Betty Medina. Uh, she had my back too. She was like, oh no, that's messed up. And I won't say what the situation was because it's a respected organization and I hope they continue to succeed and I support them and I love them. But literally a week later, and this is where I'll leave you all, I got a handwritten note. It was just one piece of paper and it was all white. And then it had the word palante on it with two exclamation points and it says, love Natalia Munoz. And so Palante is upward and forward and keep going. And that's why I started Palante Theater Company. And that's why I chose the name. And so just continue to move upward and forward wherever you are. And exactly that. This isn't goodbye forever. It's, you know, goodbye for now in the physical space. Um, Palante, this is now like my third or fourth interview with Radio Plasma and with you, Johan. And I just feel like it's family. Like we're just shooting the breeze. And later I listen to it like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> Palante is what I want to tell everyone. Continue to move upward and onward. I'm thankful. I'm blessed. Um, and I'm glad to those elders who, when I said I was thinking of leaving, the ones who truly get it, like you and others, said, listen, I'm sad for us, but I'm so happy for you. Go, continue, progress. I love you. And Natalia gave me the hugest hug after she ran her whole workshop on elections. <laughs> and she held me and said, you are going to do great, Papito. You're going to do amazing things. So palante, everybody. Palante, and I'll miss you. I'll love you, and I'll carry you with me. It's going to be a great year. And I'm exactly repeating it. I'm so happy for you. Knowing how much you love Broadway musicals, <laughs> I can can think of song from one of my favorite ones from Wicked. Oh my god! If you say for good, I'm gonna die. <laughs> who can say? Who can say if I've been changed for the better? I do believe I have been changed for the better. And because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Oh, I love you, man. I love that musical. Oh, my God. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much for everything, man. Give me a hug. <laughs> Oh, I love you so much, man. Oh, God. Oh, thank you so much.
I gotta do your outro live with tears and boogers in your eyes. I'm sorry. Whole emotional meltdown in the studio. Yo, I didn't. Man. I guess <laughs> the first time that that gets recorded, <laughs> but it's not the first time that tears have been shed in this room. I know, I know. Yeah, this is a be this is home. This is a home, and thank you. And I love that song, and uh, I love you, and, and and all the young people who are in this space. Continue to produce, continue to make, and uh, I love you all. Thank you so much for this experience, and yeah, thank you to everyone listening. I'm gonna leave this uh, session available for everyone to actually post either on the website and also on the Facebook page. So if you want to follow up on any comments and messages that I know many people would like to share, I'm pretty sure this could be an ongoing conversation, especially thinking about continuing bridging uh, that relationship, knowing that now you are going to be in Chicago and the learning continues. There's so much we can still learn from the situations happening in Chicago with the Puerto Rican diaspora. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the experiences in, in a different community, they already figure out some things that we haven't yet yep. and vice versa. So being an ambassador is such a new stage to have and at the same time a great asset to continue to have locally knowing that you are always here oh yeah oh yeah i can't wait i can't wait i can't wait thank you thank you nelson thank you johan deseándote siempre lo mejor gracias gracias igual this session as a special way to wrap up the journey of Nelson Roman here in Holyoke is a beautiful homage and a beautiful way to wish Nelson the best and to keep listening. This session has been recorded in the Gandara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>